This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, and as always, I'm joined by Nick Horwat here on the day of, not even the eve of, but the day of, the beginning of probably the most hellish back-to-back the NHL could have thought to schedule for the Pittsburgh Penguins as they take on the Tampa Bay Lightning later this evening, and then tomorrow they'll take on the number one seed in the Metropolitan Division, the number two seed in the NHL, the Carolina Hurricanes. So, on the morning of the beginning of a crazy back-to-back, Horwat, which of these two games, we'll, we'll preview both of them in this episode, which of these two games are you most looking forward to watching? The ending of both of them. No, uh, probably the hur- the Hurricanes game. We haven't, we saw them earlier this year already, but it's been a while since we've uh, had some consistency against this team. It's, it's a matchup that you feel like the league wants to, push a little more they want to get a rivalry out of almost because they're two extremely talented teams one that's got the history in the penguins and one that is still kind of an up-and-comer in the hurricanes so between the two i would say um i'm looking forward to the hurricanes hurricanes game much more because there's a little something to be had there still i think the league would enjoy a penguins lightning rivalry but it's just not feasible too far away not in the same division Hell, Carolina's car kind of far away to be considered hmm. in the same division. Arguments yeah. about divisional lines happen in the offseason, not during the regular season. But the lane, and I also get where the league could be coming from and uh, wanting to build something off of both back to back champions, but um, that's, that team still scares me a little. So I'm going to go with the Hurricanes just because I have more of a knowledge uh, and history of playing against that team. Um, through my years of at least of watching the watching the penguins mm-hmm. see i'm excited for both of these games as as are you but i think i'm a little bit more excited for the tampa bay lightning matchup that happens later on this evening because i mean both are measuring stick games the penguins talked about that ad nauseum in practice on tuesday and on wednesday in their media availabilities because once again for the second straight week monday tuesday and wednesday there were no hockey games played by the boys in black and gold but at the same exact time, I really, really like watching this team against the the, the sorry the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think it's going to be a really good matchup. I think seeing a guy like Andre Vasilevsky, seeing players like Kucherov, Stamkos, if you can beat them, you can basically beat anybody in this National Hockey League, especially with the run that they're currently on. Because you know after back to back cups, look at the Penguins in 2017-18. They ran out of gas a little bit. They were still a really good team, but they were not top of the league good. Meanwhile, the Tampa Bay Lightning are on the same point here in their back-to-back looking for a three-peat, and they look unstoppable. With Again, I looked at and I have the line combinations. We'll talk about this in the second segment, but they have a pretty different lineup than they did last year. I mean, their entire third line from the last two cups is gone, and, and they're still performing at a really high level. So I'm excited about the Lightning game. Like I said, we will preview both of those matchups here in the second segment of the show. But before we get to that, a little bit of housekeeping, of course, with practices all week long. That means we got plenty of injury updates. We saw plenty of Teddy Bluger, 
who is now practicing in a full contact jersey. Good news for all the Teddy Bluger stands. Nice to see him in full contact. And when Mike Sullivan was asked about it, he said, well, we want to get Bluger a couple more practices of full contact. But the fact that he's there, the fact that after this back-to-back stretch here, the Penguins have another three days off. So he'll get a couple of those practices. I can see Bluger returning late next week, which is huge for the Pittsburgh Penguins, especially in the bottom six. Absolutely. Our bottom six can't do shit right now. Not that they can't do shit, but they definitely can't score. They definitely can't drive any offense. Not that Bluger does those things, but he's at least a stable face down there that we've had reliance in over the years. And I'll tell you what, jaw injuries, like he said, like Sullivan said at the beginning of uh, this sit-out, this injury uh, pattern, when you break a jaw, your legs aren't broken. You can still get out there and try and keep up to speed. So I wouldn't expect Bluger to, whenever he does come back, I wouldn't expect him to be that many steps behind just because no. he's been able to maintain uh, maintain a skating pattern, maintain a good practice uh, regimen, not necessarily in-line rushes or keeping up with uh, most of the you know penalty kill stuff. But maybe that takes a game maybe like a period mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. again he'll be up to leg speed and strength at least so him stepping in shouldn't be too much of an issue yeah i i agree i, I think bluger is probably going to be perfectly fine by the time he does come back into the lineup especially considering the fact that he'll have had what three four weeks of practice and, and also the fact being that he really wasn't off the ice for that long um, did you see happen to see his apartment where he lives on the latest in the room? He lives in Station Square. That is like my dream apartment, seeing the view that he has in his apartment. Yeah, that's the same building that um, Juju Chase and Chase Clay in. Uh, lived in. The mm-hmm. one right, yeah, I know exactly the apartment. <laughs> we we used to walk past it every the, day. <laughs> yeah, the, the brand new one now that's probably way too expensive for us. But uh, no, excited to see Teddy Bluger come back. Jealous of his digs. And I guess his wife, I didn't even know Teddy Bluger was uh, married, so jealous of their digs. And uh, the good thing for him, like we said, is he's been skating. It was not a lower body injury. It was not an injury that could keep him off the ice very long. On the other side of things, then there's Jason Zucker. We did get an update on Jason Zucker, although he has not returned to the ice to practice He's been having really good off-ice workouts that nobody has seen, but Mike Sullivan apparently is saying that he is progressing very well, should be back on the ice really soon, but the interesting thing he said at the end is he's not far behind where Teddy Bluger is. Considering the fact that we haven't even seen him in a non-contact jersey and he's coming off of a surgery that, yeah, Crosby took, came back and was still okay, but Nick Bukestad had in the same year, came back and really wasn't able to perform it's interesting to see that he's not far behind when we haven't even seen him out on the ice yet. That is interesting, but I think we just kind of realize it's been a while. We know he's working through his injury. Um, maybe it's just one that he's – maybe he just has an itch to get back. Mm-hmm. We know Zucker's just chomping at the bit to get over his injury and force himself back into the lineup. I think it'll just be patience still with him. Uh, we also – we know he's kind of struggled this year and we can't expect him to immediately you know fire on all cylinders first game back but it's almost what we're expecting isn't it 
I mean, that's just the type of player he is. He's he's literally a dog with a without a bone. Like looking looking for something to do, looking for someone to hit, looking for something to back check. That's what we've seen of Jason Zucker since he came over from Minnesota. And I would be surprised if he isn't the same exact way. I mean, I think that he's probably fully aware that the only reason that he's still on this team is because he does all those things. The reason he doesn't really get demoted very often is because he does all those things. And Mike Sullivan loves it. So if he goes out there and plays lackadaisical, he'll basically be in the same spot that uh, Kasperi Kapanen is in, in which, you know, you're put in there begrudgingly because of injuries and because there's nowhere else to turn. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, like I said, it, once Zucker reaches his full potential again or reaches his full speed again, I would like to see him. And I'm just, like I said, it's my hot take that he's going to be the reason why this team gets pushed over the edge. Mm-hmm. Someone's got to kick so, somewhere. Yeah. So when they come back and, and obviously Bluger being the earliest of both, we expect him back late next week, which I mean, probably I don't even know what the schedule looks like. I know the Penguins have a torrid schedule against really good teams, but I would say he probably doesn't return on Tuesday whenever they play the Panthers. I'd see him probably more so returning on Friday against the Vegas Golden Knights at PPG Paints Arena. But again, that's uh, that's based on solely on my expectations and, and nothing else on that. When they come back, I would imagine Brian Boyle and Dom Simone are the guys that come out. I would take Simone out before Boyle. Absolutely. Like, when Bluger comes back, I think Simone's the guy that gets the healthy scratch at that point. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely, I agree. Give yeah. Boyle his shot at wing, and if it works out, let's say he's got to play a couple games there. Hey, <laughs> someone else can leave the lineup now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens with that. I don't think I would I would take Kasperi Kapanen out, because I know that's who you were alluding to. Yeah. I, I don't... And I mentioned that last I, episode that I still don't want to take him out of the lineup yet just because you never know. As bad as yeah. he may have been, and I think I, that's kind of the point I was getting at with the Zach, my, my Zach Aston Reese rant last week. Um, we expect Kaepernick to do something, and it is still possible. We don't expect Zach yeah. Aston Reese to score, so we know it's not possible. There's yeah. the differences there. Yeah, the big thing with Kapanen, and we won't get too deep into this because, again, death taxes, as you like to say, and talking crap on Kasperi Kapanen, that's been our show this entire season for what, this is now episode 43 of season three that we've talked basically every single episode about it. But um, to really quickly talk about that before we start talking about this really cool Crosby thing that came out on, on Wednesday, if Hextall's trying to trade him, keep him in the lineup, if Hextall has no thoughts, processes, if there's nobody that is interested in Kapanen, then you bench him. The only reason to have him in there is to try to get his trade value up a little bit more or to get somebody to potentially take him and his trade cap for something at least decent in return as part of a package for a return for one of the guys we talked about on Monday. And if you want to hear us talk about all the pieces, all the targets that could be on the Penguins radar, tune into Monday's episode, this past Monday's episode, I should say, at the tip of the iceberg. But um, let's move on really quickly to this Sidney Crosby thing, this documentary, if you will, on Audible. I I did not know that I I had had no idea that this was something that was even in the works. And it is a four-hour documentary-style story of Sidney Crosby recapping his rookie season when he was 18 years old, over 100 points, taking the league by storm, obviously narrated by the great, the big Pittsburgh fan, Joe Manganiello. Everybody obviously loves him. He's one of the true Pittsburgh fans that are celebrities. Not, I mean, 
I love Snoop Dogg, but that dude puts on any jersey that is sent to him. But uh, Joe Manganiello is pure Pittsburgh, so we, we gotta love him. Interviews of Colby Armstrong, Ryan Whitney, even Mario Lemieux and many, many others from what I've seen. I have not listened to it. I know there's a 35-minute preview or extended preview. You've listened to it, so I'll let you speak on that. But I will definitely be, whether it's the free trial, whether it's paying for one month, I will be listening to this and we'll eventually have to catch up and talk about it on this show. But it looks very intriguing, to say the least, especially because Crosby is a guy that, albeit... Once on Spit and Chicklets does not really come out and talk in the media or talk in the public all that much about himself. I feel so. Like, all, what did you think? Yeah, I feel like to before I get into what I thought, I feel like over the past couple of years, Crosby's kind of broken out of that shell of being just the hockey player. Um, I think basically it's hit the point of he's gotten his success. He's done everything under the sun in the sports. The only thing that would be left really is breaking point and goal records, which we kind of just know isn't going to happen. So he's breaking out of the show a little bit and becoming more personable and letting you into his life a little bit. And it started with the Spit and Shitless podcast a few years ago. Um, now this audible, I keep, I keep wanting to call it a podcast just because that's how locked and loaded I am into this culture, but it yeah. is an audiobook um, and mm. presence by four hours. And hosted by Joe Manganiello, which, by the way, I've heard his name pronounced 8,000 different ways. So many different ways. So we'll leave it out. But it's – I also look at Crosby's rookie season as one of the most underutilized, if you will, seasons of his career in terms of looking back on. Didn't win the rookie of the year, so we don't look back at it like, yeah, he was rookie of the year that year. What did he do? We didn't make the playoffs. We've made it every year since. Mm -hmm. And – Crosby mentions it, at least in the 35-minute extended sneak peek that I listened to, that team was really fun. It wasn't a phenomenal team on the ice. It was terrible on the ice. But it had personalities everywhere. And Sid was learning the game in, in the NHL from two Hall of Famers in Lemieux and Recky, and then guys mm-hmm. like, um, he mentioned Lyle Oderline was in there, uh, Gary Roberts was later. I'm trying to remember that team specifically. Mm-hmm. Ryan Whitney was in oh, there. Oh, I, I have it up Pull, right some here of those if you names. want to run through some of the names. Uh, John LeClaire, John LeClaire. Sergey Gonchar, Ryan Malone, Ziggy Palfi, Colby Armstrong, Ryan Whitney. Let me scroll down here a little bit. Eric Christensen, Dick Tarnstrom, Konstantin Koltsov, Talbo, Matt Murley. Uh, who else? Scuds, Rob Scuderi. Let me see. Uh, Sebastian Caron. Danny Sabarin, Elaine Hazardine, Jocelyn Tebow, Jocelyn Tebow yeah. and Rico Fata. So, yeah, like that team was not great on the ice. I think they were predicted to be pretty good to start, though. Yeah, um, but they weren't. <laughs> they weren't odds-on favorites <laughs> to win anything, but they were they were supposed to be a fairly decent team. Maybe a maybe a first-round playoff team. Maybe just over the just just out. Uh, but they sucked. They were terrible. And Sid does talk about that in one of the little previews. He says you you would think late in the season that um, this the way that that team was acting with each other that they were getting ready to go for a deep postseason run. No, they were damn near dead last. But the morale yeah. was so high in that locker room just because they mm-hmm. had characters and the fans were behind them finally. Pittsburgh yeah. Penguin fans finally started showing up again. Now, yeah, because of Crosby, but 
and he mentions it that was the pressure he had and was able to take on it's mm-hmm. gonna be an impressive story the the extended preview starts with draft day and like a little before draft day when they're opening the envelopes mm-hmm. all the way up until about the puck drop of his first season i would say i can't really remember where it ended um, i was doing it at work but it's an impressive story that like i said it's not utilized enough because mm-hmm. of I, in crosby's own words maybe i didn't do enough because of and he said about himself maybe he whined too much you're welcome philadelphia and washington he acknowledged it and he didn't care yeah. <laughs> he did not give a shit he did what he had to do to win even though he didn't do it much but given everything that's come for him since then like i said never missing the playoffs multiple stanley cups multiple gold medals uh, according to one of the uh, like i got multiple emails about it too through mm-hmm. work one of those says it gets in, he gets into the golden goal a little bit so there's a little yeah. like post rookie year if you will so it'll be interesting yeah. to listen to the full thing i'm excited to start my free trial of audible and then cancel it <laughs> um yeah but no it's more more players more people like that interesting people need to do things like this just get mm-hmm. their big long not even a life story like i said just one little just, year of their life mm-hmm. telling the story and it should be interesting a lot of names are in it too a lot yeah. of names are in it it's almost a pseudo like man in the arena but instead of going over the championships Sidney Crosby's going over his rookie year which again like you mentioned it's an anomaly I mean the only person that was better than him that year was you know Alex Ovechkin and having those two in the same rookie class like think about how we've seen number one overall picks in their rookie seasons as of late I mean Owen Power hasn't had his rookie season yet he was he's a reigning number one overall selection he's playing for Michigan which don't get me wrong I think it's a good idea by Buffalo, but like you look at the Rasmus Dalins, the uh, Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer, these guys, like yeah, Lafreniere, these guys don't come in and have that impact anymore. I mean, McDavid did, he got but hurt, that though. again, he did, but he he would have had probably close to a hundred points that year. Probably yeah, but it, that injury yeah. it, it, that that adds on though. Yeah, but still, out. I mean, this is stuff like like we were alluding to. This is stuff that just doesn't happen anymore. And, and honestly, it's something that very not very often do we go back, at least I go back, and I, I look at those early Crosby-era days, but to be able to have a four-hour just escape from currency and into that, I'm excited about that. I'll probably end up listening it, to it um, after we, we finish this and once I start to work today, but uh, it should be interesting. We'll both, I'm sure we're both going to end up listening to it, and we'll probably both end up reviewing it in one of the next couple of episodes. I have I have long car rides coming up in my near future, so uh, you know what? You, that hey, sounds perfect now. They came out just in time wow. for you to be completely yeah, honest. Yeah, and I didn't even <laughs> think of that. So, another thing too, it does they do touch on the shambles that the, that the organization was in at the time. Yeah. So it'll be it'll be an interesting lesson. It'll be a little history lesson for some newer fans and just excitement all around. He was 18, taking the world yeah. by storm, man. Yeah, he was, what, seven years younger than we are right now? Yeah, I mean, he had just turned 18 when that season started, too. you got to remember, he's got an August birthday. Yeah, that's true. Um, So, 
Obviously, the Penguins have games tonight and tomorrow, and we will preview that right after this break. But then there's a three-day break. Gives you plenty of time to tune in and get this four-hour extravaganza out of the way and uh, get the nice listen to it, which is exactly what I'll be doing if, if not already listening to all of it today. But uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to preview Penguins versus Lightning for tonight, and we're also going to preview Penguins versus Hurricanes for tomorrow evening. We'll be right back. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team in the association and get $150 in free bets if they win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NBA team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN Redline at 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. And in New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY at 467-369. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. I just realized how dorky I must have sounded at the end of the last segment when I said extravaganza the way I did, so I will never say that again. I promise that to you, listeners, and to you, Mr. Horwat. But uh, let's get into these Penguins previews for the weekend. Of course, two games, one on Thursday night, one on Friday night, and then the Penguins will have three ga- three days off. So let's start off with Penguins versus the Tampa Bay Lightning coming up tonight. Season series is deadlocked at one. Obviously, the Penguins won at Amelie Arena to kick off the NHL season way back in October. And then they lost one game at PPG Paints Arena somewhere in the middle of that. But right now, the Tampa Bay Lightning sit in third place in the National Hockey League and right now don't have any injuries to really speak of. So Horwat, when you see this matchup, what do you think is one of the biggest keys for the Penguins heading into this one against the back-to-back Stanley Cup champions? It would have to be, I would say, figuring out that defense and figuring out that goaltending, man. Do something to look like you're on a good attack. Maybe try and, oh, maybe hope Brian Elliott's in net. I don't know. I don't think that's Just happening. Brutal. It's, this is such a hard team to play against in all facets. You can't come up with an easy, distinct point of this is what they need to do because mm-hmm. the Lightning are one of few teams that have a counter for quite literally anything you said. I say figure out the goaltending. Okay, Vasilevsky. When if, if we if we don't figure it out, we've got defense in front of them. Okay, let's break down the defense. We have Vasilevsky behind him. It's a vicious vicious cycle. Okay, we need to take advantage of their depth scoring. Well, we don't have depth scoring of right now. 
We need to, <laughs> we have to outscore their depth. Not happening. We're, it's not. Unless someone wants to pop off and all of a sudden be better than, oh yeah, Anthony Shirelli on the third line. Mm-hmm. It's just not happening, man. It, this is a, such a good team. I can't come up with one solid answer of what the Penguins need to do other than saying uh, score more goals, figure out the goaltending. Let's start there. Mm-hmm. Step one. Yeah, the, like you said, the problem with the Tampa Bay Lightning, at least matching up against the Tampa Bay Lightning, is one, they don't really have a weakness, and two, they don't really have a key strength that you can focus on to take away. So, like, the old Bill Belichick thing, I'll take away your biggest weapon and force you to beat us otherwise. Well, if you take away the Tampa Bay Lightning's biggest weapon, they have, like, three other biggest weapons. Like, there's no real area where you can take advantage, and also the fact is, they can play any way you want them to. That was a big thing for the Tampa Bay Lightning before they broke through and won these Stanley Cups. They could only play the high-style, high-flying. The series that we saw with the Penguins and, and the Lightning in 2016, that's the way that they were for the longest time. But now they can play a grind game. They can play a big-body defensive game. And they can play the high-styled game. They can do basically anything that they want in a game, no matter which way it comes out. So let me quickly run down their their roster, their lineup right now, forward-wise at least. Their first line is Andre Palat. Sorry, Daily Faceoff is freaking out on me. Uh, their first line, Andre Palat, Braden Point, Nikita Kucherov. Again, really, there's no area that's that's weak there. Second line, Kalorn, Stamkos, Joseph. Third line, Taylor Radish, who's really good young player. Sorelli and Colton. Again, a very good line. And then their fourth line, as far as fourth lines are concerned, Probably one of the best in the National Hockey League. Big Pat Maroon, Pierre Edward, Edward Belmar, and Corey Perry. That is a ridiculous lineup that, again, no real areas that you could focus on to take stuff away from them. They're just that good of a team. Now, the point that being, the way the Penguins beat them on opening night, they didn't have Crosby, they didn't have Malkin, they didn't have Gensel, and they went out and beat this team. You know why? Because the Penguins played really well from top to bottom. So that's that's the key to the game. You basically have to play your best game of the season to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning one night out of the year, let alone in a best of seven, which we'll see what happens come playoff time if the Penguins ever match up with the Lightning. But it's going to be a tough matchup tonight, especially if the Penguins can't get their depth and their defense in on the offensive action. Oh, man. And to think we may have played our best game of the season in game one. Um, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't go that far, no, but, uh, but everybody was on their game that night. That's why the Penguins were able to get up on the Lightning. And if you ask John Cooper, it's because the Lightning lost themselves the game. You're coming over your back-to-back cup hangover. It's a banner night. Banner nights usually don't result in wins. True. That being said, I look at this lineup and you know what? Here, you want me to find a weakness? I'm going to just say they're right wing. Okay, because there's not many others. I looked down their right wing lineup. It's Kucherov. Okay, okay, got it. <clears throat> but beyond that, Matthew Joseph being on the second line, not that he's a bad player, it's just, is he proven to be playing next to Steven Stamkos right now? Like, what's, yeah. I mean, like I say, he's not a bad player. He definitely has the ability to play there. But is it his time now? Ross Colton, never heard of. Gonna just be blatantly honest never heard of ross colton uh is he good did you? probably he's playing on the lightning he he did score the only goal in game seven against the islanders good last year love to see it I, either that or he scored 
Oh no, I think he's he either scored the winner in that one or the winner in the cup clinching game for them. To be fair, did how many people actually watched the cup? Last year, not much, yeah. especially that last game. No offense. Um, and then Corey Perry, who, yeah, league veteran, but kind of old and not cooked yet. But it's Corey Perry on the fourth line. Um, so I say, look at their right wing and do what you can. I, again, that's not a point that you can really emphasize on, you know, t- taking advantage of because it's just a one forward position. But it's finding the small weaknesses and going from there. Otherwise, everywhere else is damn stacked. Because Palat, Kalorn, Radish, and Maroon, four heavy hitters. They're, they're centers. We think the Penguins have four good centers. Cool. Yeah, I don't think there's a better lineup of centers than the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, pretty much. So it's it's hard to find a weakness on this team. I say start with one something small, and maybe you're able to build on it. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily exposing the right wing, but it's yeah. taking advantage somewhere. Yeah. I think when you look at this matchup, obviously the Lightning, it's not only the fact that they're a very good team. They're coming in white hot. I mean, they've won five games in a row, 8-1-1 one, and one in their last 10. So if you want to beat them, what you really need is a stellar performance from Tristan Jari. And I know you're you're surveying Twitter to see if Mike Sullivan announces um, – the starting goaltender, as, as you usually do. But I said this on the Monday episode. You've had three days off. You have these back-to-back games, and then you have another three days off, not to mention the fact that you only have two games late, or two games next week, Tuesday and Friday, and then you have the weekend off next week. I would I would play Jari in both of these games. I, I, I think if you want a chance, like, I, I've loved what DeSmith has done lately. His last couple of starts have actually been pretty good. But you're feeding him to the Wolves if you're putting him in against either of these two teams. I'd like to see, you know, obviously the Penguins are going to play a lot of really good opponents here coming up. I'd like to see Tristan Jari play both of these games tonight. And then, sure, if you want to feed Casey DeSmith to the Wolves, just do it on Tuesday against the Panthers. Yeah, that's fair. I I, I think he's had, he's coming off of four days rest because he also didn't play on Sunday against Columbus. So he is coming on off of four days rest and he's going to have three days rest after that. I'd play him in a back-to-back scenario here. I don't know if Sully will, but that's what I would do. Sully likes doing those big brain moves like that. I could, I could picture that one being a thing. Cause he likes doing big brain plays with the goaltending. I will say though, if you want to rest Jari for one of them, I, I don't know. I'm not going to say which one you do it for because I just couldn't tell you. Um, but there is that mindset of your skaters in front of them. Anytime there's a backup in against a good team, your skaters play at an extra level. They try to, yeah. They definitely try to. A lot of times it seems like they do pretty well. They succeed. Now, it's Casey DeSmith we're talking about here, who seemed to have, seems to have found something and rebounded mm-hmm. a little. Yeah. So maybe you got a good opportunity of DeSmith being on one for a game and then the like i said the forwards and defense in front of him playing at the extra level because they realize hey it's our backup tonight they're a good team we're still injured like teddy's not back zucker's not back Kapanen's non-existent so maybe everyone else can step up their game and do a little extra like i said it's something that does happen more often than not at least in terms of Mm -hmm those forwards and those defensemen playing hard and strong in front of their backup goalie. Um, I say I 
I mean, maybe you throw him in for the Carolina game. I don't know. But uh, I like your idea, but I wouldn't be shocked if it didn't happen either. Yeah, I'm, I'm going back to the first game, at least trying to go back to the first game and see, I believe Dom Simone and Brian Boyle both scored in that game. So, so if Boyle. that tells you... Yeah, Dom Simone did as well. Our goal scorers were Danton Heinen, Brian Boyle, Dom Simone, Teddy Bluger, Evan Rodriguez, and then Brian Rust. Uh, those last two were, of course, empty net goals because oh, John yeah. Cooper pulled the goalie with like six minutes left down two. Um, so, yeah, uh, you needed it from everybody in that game. You're going to need it from everybody in this game, especially at Amelie Arena. Um Statistically, at least analytically, these two teams are pretty evenly matched, especially in expected goals for and scoring chances for. The uh, Tampa Bay Lightning do have a distinct advantage in high danger chances for, as well as total goals scored and goals allowed. They also have like a 10-goal buffer there. So the Lightning, statistically, are the better team on paper, but the Pittsburgh Penguins are right there for the most part. I think they get a win in this game if they can get help from everybody. I mean, obviously, you need that in any night. I think against the Lightning tonight, it's way more important than against the Carolina Hurricanes tomorrow. I think there's areas in the Hurricanes game that you can take advantage of and weaknesses that you can take advantage of that the Lightning just don't have. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that one as well. Also, you said tonight, and I keep forgetting that, yeah, today is Thursday. We usually record on Wednesdays. But, uh, but you know, for a special game day edition, and luckily we did, because if we recorded yesterday, we would have been doing that as soon as that Sidney Crosby thing came out. We would not have known what to say about it. But uh, let's move over to the Hurricanes game really quickly. We do have shout-outs and call-outs to close out this show. But Pens versus Hurricanes, that is tomorrow night. Obviously, Hurricanes lead the season series one game to nothing. The Penguins lost to the Canes 4-3 to back on February 20th, which was a Sunday game. Crazy game. That Sidney Crosby had a beautiful clap bomb after they were down two to nothing. Crosby came back with the Penguins. They tied it up, went down four to two, and then Evan Rodriguez, of course, scoring late to make it four to three, and the Penguins almost tying it up in the waning seconds with Crosby right in front of goalie Antti Ranta. The Canes are the second best team in the National Hockey League, the first best team in the Metropolitan Division, and are six two and two in their last ten games. So again. Back-to-back games against division-leading opponents on the road. It's going to be a tough couple of days for the Pittsburgh Penguins, but they can really show what they're made of in these two games. I think the more important of the two, if you don't, and if um, by you I'm talking about Mike Sullivan, if he doesn't do what I'm suggesting and go with Jari in both games, I'd start Jari against the Canes. Yeah, it's a divisional game. It's going to mean more in the points race. It's going to have a bigger impact on your standings and uh and your team morale, I think. Because <clears throat> you lose to the Lightning, you, you just kind of look at yourself in the mirror and go, it's the damn Lightning. What were we supposed yeah. to do? You look. You... Well, I don't know if they'd say that, but yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> we, we beat them before. You beat, you lose to the Canes, though. It's a bit more of a... It's a bit more of a... I don't want to say problem, but you... It's got a bigger impact. It's got a bigger impact mm-hmm. because divisional rival. You're more points behind than you can catch, and you want to catch up as many as possible. Mm-hmm. Being five back right now, you maybe you want you want to cut it to three or uh, whatever it may be. After do they play tonight too? I doubt it. Um, you want to cut it to three points. You want to close that gap. You want to take over as the leaders of the Metro and beat. And you have to go through them to do it. So yeah, this game is more important. I think. Yeah, whenever I said play Casey in this one, I was wrong. I do want to flip that and say play Casey against the Lightning because again, 
your your team can play good in front of you. You look at all right behind us. We have Casey DeSmith, and mm-hmm. with us, our peers on as a skater. We don't have Bluger, we don't have Zucker, and Kapanen again. In front of us, we have the Tampa Bay Lightning. Well, maybe we should step our game up today. It's the mo- yeah. it's the mental game now. So yeah, maybe I change my answer on which goalie in. I would say DeSmith tonight then, yeah. Uh, but that Canes game, it's going to be more important because it is the divisional game. You do want to catch up to them in the standings. They're the only team in front of us here, so that's where you got to shoot for. Yeah, when it comes to the Tampa Bay Lightning, they're essentially a Western Conference team at this point when it comes to the standings for the Penguins. The Lightning are so far above the fourth-place team in the Atlantic they're not. Their points are not of consequence. So if it goes into overtime, okay, who cares? A loser point for them, if the Penguins are able to win in overtime, would not make a difference in the standings. They are going head-to-head with the Hurricanes in the standings. It is going to impact who they play, whether or not they can catch the Carolina Hurricanes. And really quickly, before I go on to my next point, the Canes do play a game tonight on the road against the Washington Capitals. So not an easy back-to-back for them as well. Now, uh, talking about the Canes really quickly to end this out, when you looked at that last game, the big problem for the Pittsburgh Penguins was starting off early in the second period, early in the third period, giving up a goal in the first minute of both of those periods. That was the issue for the Pittsburgh Penguins coming out flat to start off. So Friday night, if they're going to do anything, they need to come out firing at the beginning of the first, second, and third periods because if not, you know Rod Brindamore is going to have his guys ready to go from the puck drop. So I think that's going to be a big thing to watch out for in that game. And also, of course, they're calling it the SAT line. Svechnikov, Aho, and Taravainen. It is a it is a dangerous, dangerous line anytime they're on the ice. I don't think that I've given enough credit. I don't think anybody's given enough credit to how good of a hockey player Sebastian Aho is. He's a guy that is right now leading that team. And honestly, that entire line is extremely underrated. And, and it's going to be very tough for the Penguins to shut them down. I don't remember if they scored at all in that first matchup between the Pens and, and the Canes. But they are certainly the game changer for the Carolina Hurricanes. They are. You're right about Sebastian Ajo for sure. People don't people underestimate just how good he is. The SAT line. Well, hey, you know what? The school system's trying to get rid of the SATs. Now why not us? Let's just join in the join in that fun. Yeah. I'm very glad I don't have to take that again. I, I really am. That was I mean, we talk about a four hour audible and how excited we are to listen to that audio book from Cindy Crosby for four hours. Much better than sitting in the SAT for what was it, five? I was four sick five? for one of them. You were sick? Yes. And you were at the SATs? Yeah. Like Did did anybody tell you they don't really matter? At the time. We, no. we went to point we went to Point Park. All you had to do was apply and you would have gotten in. Yeah, I know. But again, <laughs> we didn't know this at the time and I hadn't applied for schools yet. I remember just being very sick That's for fair. one of them. And I had to work after both of them. Yeah, I remember I did one after I played in a in a high school football game the night before, and I had, like, I was very sore. I was not having any of it. I was very not feeling well for one of them. Yeah, high school football. What was that then? Seven, eight, eight years ago? Ugh. Yeah, don't like that conversation. So what we're going to do is we're going to cut the commercial break so I can cry and weep in the corner a little bit about how much older I am than I expected. And then when we come back, we'll do shout-outs and call-outs to end off this episode. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL.
Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app for great odds and even better opportunities. They have fantastic odds at sign up right now. If you use promo code THPN for this weekend's UFC main event, Masvidal, Covington, going to be a great fight. I'm excited for that. I know, Horwat, you don't watch UFC, but this is going to be one of the best fights should be fight of the year up to this point. It is only March, but it should be one of the best fights in the last five years. You say it was Saturday? Saturday night. Maybe I'll have to watch it if I'm done driving. At like midnight. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll be done driving then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, let's move on again. Make sure you use promo code THPN at sign up for the DraftKings Sportsbook app. But let's move on to shout outs and call outs. Let's start with the good stuff. Horwat, who are you shouting out this week? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, despite how good or bad we may think he is on Tuesday, March 1st, Jack Johnson played his 1,000th NHL game. And you know what? You you don't hit that by not being at least okay. I don't know how to put Jack Johnson and how good or bad he is, but he's played 1,000 games in the NHL. And again, that's not something everybody can say mm-hmm. at all. He's, a, he's, in a, he's in an, I'm not going to call it an elite list, but a short list. He's on a list. He's on a short list, if you will, of players who have played 1,000 games in the NHL. Um, how many more does he have left in him? Probably probably a couple here or there. It's going to cross some more some more names off because I know there's a few players that played like 1,001, 1,002. He'll be up there. He'll be up there in the ranks of all-timers when it comes to games played. And you know what? That's something. This is, 1,000 games played in the NHL is nothing to scoff at, regardless of who you are, because clearly someone wanted to let you lace up for 1,000 games. I always mention, you know, his early career stuff with the Kings was good. He was a decent player. His minuses were terrible, but so was the team at the time. He also got out of there just before they started winning, so that hurts. Yeah. Um, I forgot he played with the Rangers last year. <laughs> forgot about that. Forgot he scored he against did. us with the Rangers. He did, yes. Um, yeah. And everyone remembers him with the Blue Jackets where, yeah, that's – where his career kind of really hit his, hit its focal point. Joined us in Pittsburgh, but and you know we may not have liked it, but again, played enough to hit a thousand games, and you know what, you can't knock that, despite of who, despite who the player is. Mm-hmm. I completely forgot until earlier this week when I was watching NHL highlights that Jack Johnson plays for the Colorado Avalanche. Jack Johnson is on a Stanley Cup favorite team right now. You know what? I've I've seen a lot of tweets recently. So, uh, say what you want about his play, but Jack Johnson's one of the better human beings in the league. And you know what? He he, he is. might be. Yeah. Does he deserve to go out and get one? Probably a thousand games in the league, and the most playoff success you've had is with the Blue Jackets. Well, no, it maybe? wasn't with Columbus. I no, I mean Columbus. Columbus has won one playoff series in their history. Oh, and he he wasn't even on them. He was not. Us. No, he was on the Penguins at that point. Oh. And I don't remember what he did with the Kings. I know that ugh, I know he got out before they won. They didn't the Kings didn't really do anything until they won. They didn't build up to a Stanley Cup championship, basically. Damn. Yeah, if you played a thousand games in the league and the furthest you've gotten is a first round exit. Guess what I guess that's all I think it is. You deserve a little something. Yeah, well, you might have just given the Colorado Avalanche the kiss of death, watch them lose in the first round this year. <sighs> is Nathan McKinnon letting that happen again? I don't know. It depends on what the people on the other team are eating. Uh-huh. Only kale. Only kale shakes. Um, Only kale McCarthy. Yeah, sh- exactly. Um, shout out to uh, yeah to Jack Johnson. Love that. Um, 
I'm shouting out uh, John Morant of the Memphis Grizzlies this week. He's had himself a real good week. Saturday against the Chicago Bulls in the house that Michael Jordan built and the house that DeMar DeRozan has been absolutely on fire on. John Morant just said, you're going to take this 46-point performance, which is, by the way, Grizzlies franchise record in points, has an insane 360 layup around DeMar DeRozan, so making a highlight reel play, and the Grizzlies go out there and get a win. Those are two really good teams. The Grizzlies are actually really good this season, third place in the Western Conference. So that was enough for me to get the, the, the shout-out. I already had him penciled in. And then Monday happens, where... Not only does he go out and say, oh, 46 was a nice night for me. Puts up 52 against the Spurs. So beats his own record that he set two nights prior. Has an insane poster dunk. Embarrasses this random white guy from San Antonio. I don't even know his name. I didn't care to look it up. But he posterized him. John Morant, remind you, is a point guard. He's a little bit shorter. Which, in NBA, he's shorter means still a giant. But posterizes this guy from San Antonio... And then at the end of the first half, they say, you know what? They take the ball, inbound it from underneath their own own net, send it 70 feet. He catches it, falling out of bounds, just yeets it up, and he hits another three. The guy could do no wrong. He really couldn't. Had a great night on Monday. He is very entertaining. I love watching him play. I mean, for the first time in a long time, there's a player that I am genuinely must watch if he's on national television. That's John Morant. Compared to De- he's been compared to Derrick Rose the year that Derrick Rose won the MVP. Similar type player, like bigger, stronger, more athletic point guard. As long as John Morant can stay healthy, he's going to have a better career trajectory than Derrick Rose did. Unfortunately for, for Rose, his ACL tear kind of put a sham on that. But I'm not sure Morant will get into the MVP conversation this year because Joel Embiid has been ridiculous for the Philadelphia 76ers. And also, Nikola Jokic from Denver has been really good as well. But I I think he's climbing into that conversation, and he deserves to be. He's had a great week, and he's been a great player all season long. He's fun to watch. Are you telling me there's parity in basketball, finally? There is. Yeah, LeBron's team is almost out of a play-in right now. So, How how are the Warriors doing? (laughs) They're in second place in the Western. All right, so there's still not not a ton of parity. But you know what? It's cool seeing... The NBA, the second biggest sport in the country, um, mm-hmm. have multiple teams that might be able to make some noise. I mean, and players. It, it is wide open yeah, this year. And players everywhere. It's not all mm-hmm. just on the Nets, on the Warriors, on the Lakers. This is fun, finally. I, I don't, I'm not a huge basketball guy. Like you, you started shooting off names, and I went, I know those names. Couldn't tell you what team they're on. Couldn't tell you how good. Yeah. I couldn't tell you what they look like. Yeah. Um, but I know that there's some parody this year finally i mean what it was mm-hmm. didn't the bucks just win the championship last the year? bucks beat the spurs in or not the spurs the suns in the oh, championship right. last year that's right i was rooting for the suns because pittsburgh boy mm-hmm. um but yeah that sounds like parody to me and that sounds that that sounds entertaining to watch i i think mm-hmm. that's kind of what drew me at least and a lot of the non-huge committed basketball fans away from the game is just that it's the same teams every year it's just lebron against whoever it's usually the same three teams um but having a nice little change this is fun maybe i'll start watching some basketball games i do still don't like the ending of basketball games those last two minutes are always so hard to watch especially if it's close Mm -hmm. uh but still uh could be entertaining could be fun stuff for me to finally get into i'm also god awful at basketball 
Yeah, you talk about parody, and I'm awful at basketball too. I don't. We're we're on the same page there. We're we're both short white guys, but um, I'm six foot. The, hey, now <laughs> taller than right. a couple of NBA players. Yeah, like Nate Robinson. Um, but in the Eastern Conference, the top six seeds are all separated by less than five five games. So, very uh, very very interesting season there for the NBA. I'm excited for the playoffs. I think it's going to be very interesting. And definitely in the West, John Morant and the Grizzlies are only a half game, as I just checked. Half game behind the Warriors for overtaking them for second place. So uh, let's go Memphis. I'm, 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 I'm on the Memphis train for sure. Um, let's move over to call outs here. Horwat, you know what? I'll just go. I was debating whether or not I'd let you go first for this one, but mine's not going to take long. I'm calling out Wordle and the New York Times again. for the second time. They have deleted my stats. Now, I get it. I have the receipts on Twitter. I know. The world knows. You can check New York Times. Do some research for once. I know they don't ever do research. This is a joke. Um, but I've won every single game. I, I counted it up. I'm on a 29-day streak, undefeated since I started playing back in early February. I'm just saying. Stop deleting my crap. It doesn't really make a difference, but it is nice to see... Like, oh, how many times did I do it in two tries? How many times? I enjoy that. It makes me happy. I have my morning glass of orange juice, and I play Wordle, and I get to see that. That's that's what my morning has been for a month. And for the second time now, New York Times just said, you can start right over because we really don't care. Um, I'm trying to think of what it could have been because I feel like anything that happens, there's always some sort of reason for it. Uh, you know, the first time <sighs> they it just, just hate me. It was the crossover. Did you by chance uh, delete... Uh, internet history for like i have to do it for tax reasons i have to like download something i need to like delete taxes or delete internet history and maybe that kind of went along with it i can't think of what else it could be i don't know it's because they hate me the new york times has it out for me i'm telling you did you by chance switch use a different browser what did i call new york times it what are we doing here i don't know yeah you did now <laughs> i'm just trying to like solve your problem uh the, the, um, there's no there's no there's no answer now it just says that i'm on a two-day streak and i will continue to uh, listen i got the twitter receipts that's all that matters that's all that matters and like it's not a money game it's not like we're gambling <laughs> oh no if here. it was a money game i would be much more irritated than just giving it a random call out yeah, it's not like we're using promo code thpn for the for new york the discount Times. yeah <laughs> but hey you know what it's it happens it's the internet no one knows it's the internet man it's also the new york times it's one of those sites where you need to like pay to do a lot of things yeah so be it it's a it's a fun game i genuinely cu get curious because these fads happen all the time how much longer until we're done seeing this uh game every day by fourth of july it'll be out oh all right you know what i can that's the time stamp i'm giving it i'm gonna give it i don't want to put an exact date you know i'm just gonna say august august okay you basically just prices righted me when it comes to months yeah yeah but you did early you did early july though so well yeah you didn't exactly do it if you said the 5th of july i'd reach through the screen and grab you by the throat but uh no let's 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 finish it off with your with your call out okay so i want to call out and it's not a very educated call out because i haven't done my due diligence and research into what's going on here uh but the mlb has canceled the beginning of their season obviously all mm -hmm. of spring training and the first two series I think I saw. Um, yep. I'm sure you know more than I do, but I know players aren't happy. Fans are not happy that the, that there's no games being played. Um, it's millionaires fighting billionaires, and that's never fun to discuss. But uh, 
uh, hey, we're not going to have baseball on time. And it seems like a lot of people are saying it's Rob Manfred's fault. And I'm asking you for some advice here. What exactly is going on? Other than I did see a fun tweet that was Rob Manfred has punished the fans more than he did the Astros. And I love that. I did see that. I don't know if it's I saw that because you retweeted it or if I just saw it because it came up on my feed. But I did see that. Um, what is happening and who's at fault? Uh, the owners and Rob Manfred are 100% at fault. They could have started and, and tried to get this negotiation for the CBA in dealing in good faith. Instead, they locked the players out. Then they didn't talk to the players for however many months. Then we had all of last week where they started talking. Every time you saw a team or a side start to move, it was the owners moving. Because the owners have to come to the players. The owners screwed over the players back in 2016 when they had a CBA negotiation. They took basically everything from the players. And they're screwing them over. And now the players are trying to get just a little bit back of what they lost back in 2016. And the owners are refusing to move. Now, the problem being Rob Manfred canceling games doesn't seem like he gives a crap. Realistically, is it going to hurt the game? I think it will. I think that you're already fourth getting close to fifth i think ufc is getting close to surpassing baseball at this point to be completely honest getting close to the fifth biggest sport in the united states and realistically canceling games is not going to help and it is the owner's fault it is the billionaires that are just not coming to the table with any actual offers and every time they moved up it was oh we'll move the floor by 1 million we'll move it by 5 million they're like 35 to 45 million dollars apart on whatever this this tax is that they're talking about i don't know the 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 minutia and the legal terms and the the financial terms but it's all that stuff now obviously they're agreeing they're going to expand the postseason there's going to be a universal dh all that stuff that's the stuff that i can bear to talk about but realistically the mlb owners are there are at fault here and that is why we're not going to have mlb start on march 31st as of right now it's probably going to start in early april But again, that's if they get a deal done. I I don't see that happening. There's still players that haven't signed. There's so many unrestricted free agents that are waiting for this to end before they're even able to sign. I mean, you're talking about a guy like Freddie Freeman, who is right now a World Series champion. He is a reigning defending champion from the Braves, and he is not currently signed because of this lockout. So it is Manfred's fault. He did impose the lockout when he could have just dealt in good faith. And at the end of the day, the owners are just... As owners do, they're being greedy, and it's highlighted now because it's in in the spotlight, and football season's over, and everybody's ready for baseball, and they're not going to get it. Weather's starting to break a little. It's it's starting to smell yeah. like spring. Every time I walk outside and I hit get that certain scent in the air, I just I, I'm immediately drawn back to playing little league. That's just me. Yeah. Um. So this isn't ideal. Not what you want to see from a sport that feel like had something going for it. Finally. I don't know. It's it's hard to say. Baseball is one of the greatest, and it just sucks seeing this kind of collapse. And also, how does it affect the Pirates, too? Because they're a team that doesn't well, spend. Isn't that what they're trying to close in on? It's like they're closing the gap yeah. between teams like the Pirates and like the Dodgers and Yankees? Basically, they're trying to impose a salary cap, like a cap floor that you have to spend a certain amount. Because as of right now, and I heard this the other day, I believe I was listening to, to Greenberg on ESPN. He said, as of right now, the entire Baltimore Orioles payroll is getting paid combined less than Garrett Cole's being paid by the Yankees. They're in the same division. That's that's obviously an issue. And, and the problem is you have 
teams, sometimes you have an entire league like the AL where five teams are not trying to win. And that's just, that's worse for the game of baseball. So they're trying to, at least the players, try and impose, you know, a salary cap or something like that to make it a little bit more even. But I mean, my entire lifetime, it hasn't been. And I was obviously listening all all week, the show that I, I produce on Sundays, Cody Decker, a former Padres catcher was like, yeah, I mean, the Pirates can go out and sign a massive player. They just don't. They just choose not to. The owners, they choose not to. They have the money to. They just choose not to. And I laughed when he said that because the Pirates will never, unless forcibly made to, will never go out and sign a big fish. So that was the, one, of, one of the other things that I heard on the fan while I was driving into work was the universal DH hurts the Pirates because other teams in the NL will they have the money and the means and the willingness to go out and pay for a big hitter. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Pirates don't. They're just going to sh- like just I don't know, put in uh Yoshi. Yoshi? No. Susugio. Yoshi Susugio? Yeah, they're just going to yeah. put him in there. Not that he's not not that he's bad or anything, but it's not a brand name well-known high-priced It's not Giancarlo Stan. Yeah, it's not someone we can lean back on and go, "Yes, him." It's that's going to hurt us in the long run. And then there's the fact that, like you mentioned, our team isn't willing to pay the big bucks for guys. And anytime we get a good player, what do fans, what do Pittsburgh Pirate fans always say? Anytime we get the good player, he'll be traded in a year. Boom. Nail on the head. That's always what we say because we refuse to pay these guys. Mm-hmm. So it is on ownership to start spending the money i would like to see a cap floor i again i guess i didn't haven't done my due diligence and really seeing what's going on here <clears throat> as much as i should um but for now it looks like someone's got to force bob nutting's hand and spend some damn money pirate wise at least well yeah pirate wise now whenever i look at the pirates i do think that a universal dh is good for for the league as a whole because you know the pitchers in the mlb are basically the headline stars. Like, you have your your Juan Sotos, you have your Bryce Harpers, you have your Cody Bellingers, but there's way more stud pitchers, especially in the NL. You look at Scherzer, you look at Kershaw. You don't need those guys. And, and honestly, to me, their at-bats are not interesting. And you want to talk about, oh, yes, but the minutia of the game, the double switches, the the sack bunts, how good he is. I don't care about that. Listen, I, I am probably more old school than a lot of people but I think the time has come where most people do not give a crap about the the intelligence of your manager and how to work around the pitcher spot in the lineup. You know what? I, you, here's a rebuttal to that. And I agree with you. The universal DH is fine by me. If you really wanted to, it should be an option. It should be an option. If you really want your pitchers hitting, put them in. Let them hit. I don't, I don't think anybody wants the pitchers to go out there and hit. I don't exactly. think the pitchers want to go out there and hit. Some of them do. Some of them do. Some of them are all for batting. Trevor Williams, I think, is doing it as a joke. But there's a couple, like, big boppers that can pitch. I mean, Jacob DeGrom. Like Garrett Cole can, he can hit. No. No. But, like, I think Jacob DeGrom played shortstop all through college. Yeah, but Jacob DeGrom also got injured because he was batting last year. One of the one of the greatest pitching seasons we've ever seen was ended because he had to bat and there wasn't a DH in the in the NL. So like that's that's where I'm like okay that's fine. I'd rather see them on the mound than see them do both. Like and, and everybody's talking about Otani. I'm like I don't really care. Like it was it was fun the first 
It was fun the first time, and if you want it, if you your guy is good enough to hit and he's a pitcher, you can put him in as the DH. That's what I'm saying. Like just if if they want to, like let's say Degrom comes out and says, "Let me hit today. I'm feeling it." All right, go on ahead, boy. Do your thing. Mm-hmm. Or Otani, where he is that two way star that really seemed like he was going to be against the you know force the DH out of the game, but he's only one player. He also plays in the AL, so they were already doing that with him. Yeah. Um. Yeah, let them let them step in if they really want to. If the coach wants them to, I think a cu- on a couple of occasions it's a little more rare these days. Pitchers have stepped in as pinch hitters. Yeah, that's true. So let them hit if they want to. I'd say don't universally mandate it, but kind of let it be an option, if you will. I don't know. I don't even know if that's what the rule if the, if that's what the exact rule is where it's mandated. It must be a DH cannot be a fielder. I don't know what the rule is exactly. I think you could put anybody in the DH spot. Yeah. So. It's just a spot where you don't have to have your starting pitcher. Yeah. That being said, it, it'll hurt the Pirates in the short term for now because, again, we don't have the willingness to spend on a Freddie Freeman, who, by the way, I love Freddie Freeman. My God. Yeah. If he, someone tell Bob Nutting to spend some money and get Freddie Freeman to PNC Park. Batting eighth, designated hitter, Colin Moran. Oh, God. <laughs> That's, that's where the Pirates are at right now. But uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Pens versus Lightning tonight. Pens versus Hurricanes tomorrow. Going to be a good weekend. We'll be back on Monday to break down all the action. That's going to do it. Have a good weekend, Pens fans. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.